Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright, and we're very pleased to have as our guest today, Jeff Johnson, founder and CEO of Epis Energy out of Fort Worth, Texas. Jeff, great to have you on the show. Great to be here, Charlie. Thank you very much. So, Jeff, Epis Energy, you guys have a very unique business model. You're in the oil production business, but you only purchase existing producing wells. You do not explore for new wells. So we're very interested in hearing your story. Give us a brief history of yours. Sure. Well, myself, uh, Charlie, I've been in this business. I'm, I'm 52 years old. I've been in the business for about 27 years, uh, effectively my uh, whole adult working career. This is my third startup. Uh, the first two went very well, and, and this time we saw an opportunity with the current market conditions and not only oil but, but overall investments along with some other factors that said, you know what, I think we see an opportunity here that we can go directly to the investor and directly to the registered investment advisor, provide a service and provide an investment that they normally don't ever see, and, 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 and try to offer that to the general public. And so that was the genesis of Epis a few months ago, and happy to be here and talk to you and answer any questions about that. But we're very excited about it, and indeed, we, we're looking to buy production and, and no drilling. You know, as a boy who was born in Birmingham, I love your accent there, uh, Jeff. Uh, no question about it. Uh, it sounds great. So tell us the story of Epis itself. So Epis, uh, I wanted it to be called Epic Energy and Epic Global Energy, and that was taken. And then I said, well, what about Tempest? And that was taken. So hence, I put them together and came up with Epis. I thought the timing was very good, and, and that's Tempest and Epic. We could do something really big and really exciting uh, with the recent downturn in oil prices. And that's how we came up the name and incorporated it back in March of 2016. Uh, it took about six months to take a look at and decide exactly how we wanted to get our funding. My prior life, I've been in uh, the public company and have actually sat on the board of uh, listed company council of the New York Stock Exchange and have ran that gamut. Uh, we had some opportunities to take some private equity. However, due to some changes in the law, uh, it now allows us to take this product or this asset, oil and gas production, to go buy it and offer it directly to the investing public and taking away all the middlemen, the broker-dealers, the any of the other brokers, all the costs associated with that, legal accounting, and pass that directly on. And in most cases, Charlie, when you take a look at many of the direct programs, there is as little as 8 and as much as 14% that go to other people in the middle. And just simply by eliminating that, uh, we can offer an 8 to 14% yield uh, to the clients. Okay, so so tell us about your, your business model here. Yeah, so... You know, we're not looking to hit home runs. I've done that. I've drilled a number, hundreds of wells in my career. We have about hundreds of millions of dollars of assets in my career. And there's a paradigm in the market right now to where we can go buy assets that are, I call them, good assets in distressed situations. 
Uh, with the fall of oil prices, you know, they averaged $100 a barrel from 2011 to 2014. They fell to as low as 26 in January of 2016 and are now around 50. And there are many companies out there that need to raise capital, either to pay debt, either to redeploy into other assets, or some other reasons, a lot of times to, to get partners out. But whatever the case is, if people are out looking to sell assets now, there is a need for that. And we can buy that in such a manner that we can provide an 8 to 14% yield and hold those assets when prices go back up to 75 or 80. We sell the assets and believe we can sell for more than we paid for them. So while you hold it, you get a, a real nice yield. And then when we go to sell it, you get back your money with a nice capital gain. So that yield, it is uh, what price of oil is required to generate that yield? Well, generally speaking, and every asset is different, and the world is different every day, but generally speaking, we can buy an asset that will give us about a 10 to 15% yield based upon the price that that oil is at. And then as prices increase, for every dollar the price of oil increases, the yield will go up about 1%. Okay. And uh, you guys are comfortable and confident that you can produce at that level? Yes, sir. We are, indeed. So will you be producing with your own employees, or do you contract that service? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It would be, yes, we do contract that service, and if need be, we can operate and will operate. Part of the total strategy here is to take advantage of recent technology, to take advantage of lower overhead, and be able to pass all that along directly. So, for example, uh, an asset we're looking at right now that we're actually getting ready to close on is a smaller asset, about $2 million. It's generating about three hundred and fifty to $450,000 a year of income. And the one of the partners passed away. Uh, the operator, the, the people who manage the assets, want to stay engaged and stay involved. So we just work out a deal with them where it's a win-win for both of us. We're able to buy the asset which the estate now owns, and, and it works well for everybody. And that's generally how we, we look at things. We don't, we're not looking to buy an asset that needs to be turned around that's in bad shape. We're looking to buy good assets in a distressed situation that the people managing the assets are doing a pretty good job. They just need to raise capital in some manner or another. However, um, I have operated thousands of wells in about eight different states, and, and we're willing to step in and operate if need be. So, Jeff, uh, your company is fairly new. You guys have to obviously raise the money before you buy the assets. Uh, what, what, how do you? Ha- why do you have confidence that you'll be able to fu- to find those distressed assets? Sure. Well, there, we, I've done this for for many years. Um, we are looking. And that's a very good question. It's the type of asset we look for. It's usually going to fall in one or two categories. Number one, it's small and under the radar, meaning less than $50 million. So we don't have to go out and compete with the bigger boys. Most people do not want to look at, in our industry, uh, things that aren't going to move the needle for them. And generally speaking, that's an asset under about $50 million. A second thing that we look at is sometimes we buy uh, to use a real estate term, maybe in a zip code that is not as desirable. So I, I guess one of our investors put put it a pretty good analogy the other day. He said, it sounds to me like you're buying Newark, New Jersey, 
prices. Uh, you're paying New York, New Jersey, New prices for Madison Fifth Avenue real estate, and and that I think that's a, a pretty good analogy. So as we look at areas, uh, we're agnostic as to where it is located, just as long as it's a good value. So these are all, uh, I presume, uh, in the Southwest uh, kind of thing. They, they're all onshore U.S. Uh, there's a couple of areas we don't want to look at, but we like the mid-continent area, uh, which will be Illinois, Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, what we consider the southern mid-continent, which will be Texas. And, and then there might be some other areas we might look at, but we're primarily going to be focused in those areas, possibly Louisiana. And then, of course, there could be some things up in a little bit in the northeast. But number one, the value of the asset. Number two, it's predictable. We, we like boring, predictable assets where these wells were drilled years ago. They've been producing for years. They're predictable what their production is going to be based upon looking at engineering and financial models going forward. And we have a history of what the expenses have been. And so the only thing we don't know is what the oil price will be. And we have a pretty good idea of what expenses are going to be based on history and what production will be going forward. And generally speaking, the assets we buy are going to have about a 20- or 25-year life left. We're going to know what the expenses are, and hopefully we can hold them when prices run up, then sell them at a profit, and, and that should work pretty well without taking very much risk. Jeff, a quick question before we break here. If if you can buy the asset and generate, you know, 8 to 14% cash flow uh, on that asset, why doesn't the current owner just continue to operate it? I mean, that, that, that's great return on anybody's money. Yeah, you, you know, Charlie, you're exactly right. And as I said, anybody that is selling in this environment is a product of the market. If they're trying to sell in this environment, there's a reason. So they've gotten in trouble, they owe the bank, they've got a partner that needs to get out, or they need to raise capital to redeploy it to another area. Uh, so it's just being being basically in this marketplace. Uh, this was not available three years ago when we were running at $100 oil. Everybody was making money and fat and happy. When we saw the drop in oil prices down to about $26, and they've maintained that. I mean, that was uh, uh, almost two years. It was two years ago this month that it hit $26. And we're just now at 50 So uh, the challenge is, is for these companies that need to raise money, about the only way they can do it is by selling off some assets. And we're looking to take advantage of that. Jeff, appreciate that. We need to take a short break. Again, we're talking with Jeff Johnson, founder and CEO of Epis Energy out of Fort Worth, Texas. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. And we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. 
And now back to our show with Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Jeff, Jeff Johnson, founder and CEO of Epis Energy. So, Jeff, uh, if I understand correctly, you guys are in the oil production business. You do not drill for new wells. You buy existing wells who typically are uh, distressed assets that people want or need to sell for whatever number of reasons. You buy those, and you're very comfortable and confident at today's price that you can generate 8-plus percent cash flow on that year after year. And then when the price of oil, as you figure, will rise, you sell it for a profit some time later. That's basically your business model? That You've got it. That's it. Okay. And then you, you, due to the Jobs Act of 2012, you are na- able now to go to advisors and offer this product without all of the costs of what we call middlemen uh, that, that can be uh, 8 to 15%. And you can get rid of those, and there are none of those costs uh, impact uh, the investment at all. Uh, That's exactly right. And just pass those savings right along to the investor. It's beneficial for all of us. And uh, the Jobs Act, regardless of your politics, it did create a very good opportunity for for small businesses now to be able to reach out directly and and do exactly what you spoke of, Charlie. And yes, sir, that's exactly the reason why we can do what we're doing today. Okay. And so, Jeff, the, the natural question is, why aren't more people doing what you're talking about? It sounds overly simple. Well, you know, many are. However, they're, they're drilling programs, and you can probably find plenty out there. And they're looking to hit the home the, the home run, I believe, is number one. And number two, they're really trying to sell an accelerated tax deduction. That is not us. If you're looking to invest money and get a fast acceleration on a tax deduction uh, based on intangible drilling cost, that's not what we're about. Uh, however, if you're looking to invest to make a solid income, we're not going to give you 100% on a home run if you hit a well, and those are far and few between. But if you want exposure to the oil market, if you want to hold the hard asset, and you can make a nice yield and continue to, whether the oil prices return in a year, five years, or ten years, it will continue to pay a nice yield. We hold it and then pass that along to the investor um, I believe, uh, you know, and I, I agree with you, Charlie, I, I believe that we're one of the few people out there that are now bringing this directly to the investor uh, while other people are doing drilling programs. And I just this, I believe this to be a safer, better way to offer an oil and gas investment. So let me ask a hard question here, Jeff. Uh, you said earlier that for every rise of $1 in the price of oil, there should be an increase of 1% in the yield. Now, I presume that same thing holds true for declines of the price of oil? Of course, yes. So the one thing that you do need to look at that is intriguing that that I've done every time we bought production is to protect again. How can we protect against it? And you sure can't protect against anything but, or everything, excuse me. However, we can protect short-term against that by basically using financial uh, instruments, uh, in the financial market. So what we normally will do and would do in most partnerships is go out at least a year, uh, go into the financial markets and buy a hedge so that we'd have a floor that we know that we can realize a return 
uh, in the range that we're talking about, regardless of the price of oil. You know, Jeff, uh, we've interviewed several people on uh, oil investments. Uh, They've all been, like you say, exploration. Nobody else has mentioned uh, using the financial markets to create a hedge in the event of a drop in the price of oil. Is this very, very unique, or is this somewhat common, and we just haven't talked to the right people here? Well, it, it well it is somewhat unique only because it's unique to if you're buying production. Because if you're buying production, you know how many barrels generally you're going to know about how much you're going to be producing because you have a history, and you know what your expenses are going to be because you have a history. And so, therefore, you can go out there and place a reasonable financial hedge going forward. When you're doing exploration, Charlie, you have no idea what this well is going to produce, if anything. You don't know what it's going to cost. You think you know, but you don't know. You have cost overruns and things along those natures. So to come in and put... Uh, a risk of trying to predict what a well is going to be producing when you haven't even drilled it yet is very difficult to do, and that is why you probably don't see any of this with drilling programs. Okay, well, I uh, I appreciate that, and I've got to hand it to you. That uh, should be a real incentive on people's part uh, to participate here. I would think they would really like that. You know, I do. I've, as I've said, Charlie been engaged with companies where we've drilled a number of wells. I would say on average we've probably made money on 30 to 40 percent of the wells we've drilled. And I would say on average whenever we've gone out and bought an asset that that needed to be sold, um, I don't recall a time that we haven't bought a producing asset that we haven't haven't made good yields and, and also were able to sell that asset for more than we paid for it. So again, it's timing. Will the same thing be available when we're Back over $100 oil, I doubt it. I don't know. But I know today in this market where we are that we can achieve the type of returns that we're talking about. I'm highly confident of that. So, Jeff, let's look at the potential surprises. Let's say that you go in and and evaluate a well and – you, you determined it is going to generate uh, so many barrels per day, and, and at that level, it's going to last, let's just say, 20 years. How, uh, how uh, confident are you in that kind of projection? For a single, I'm, I'm, you're, you're pretty confident on, on these things. I mean, engineering and, and financial modeling, uh, both from, from many aspects, are, are very good. However, the risk in that scenario you just said would be a single well. So if a well went down or something happened, it would uh, affect, obviously, the rate of return. So to hedge against that, if you will, uh, our plan of action and the way that I prefer to go forward is do not put all of your money in one well. Find a batch of wells, a number of wells. Diversify yourself across a number of producing wells. So if one well happens to go down, it's not going to affect your rate of return that much. And by the time you get it back up and running, you're, you're, you're doing well. So don't load up on a single well. And as an old man once told me, he said, if you want to find pecans, you go look under a pecan tree. And if you want to find oil, you go into an old oil field where you got plenty of wells and you know they can produce for a while. And, and that, that is our goal and our intention. Okay. So what do you see as the biggest risk for an investor to invest in this, Jeff? Because everything has risks and there are surprises that occur and prices of oil go up and down and the costs of hedging can change uh, and, and the like. What do you see as the biggest risk? 
Yeah, Charlie, that's exactly right. For me, the biggest risk in this is, is, is oil price. Um, you know, if oil prices drop dramatically and stay there for three or four years, then we're probably not going to be nearly as happy with the investment as if, if they hold steady and go up. Uh, to mitigate against that risk, we, you can't hedge out for the lifetime of the well. I, I guess you can, but it wouldn't make sense. Right. And so as long as you can mitigate the short-term uh, risk of oil prices, meaning you know about 12 months, then we can do that. But beyond that, you, you want oil prices to be steady. You want them to go up. And this is an investment that if you believe oil prices will stay about where they are or go up over the next few years, then I, I think you'd be happy with the returns. If you indeed believe uh, that where oil prices are today and they've got a, a healthy risk or possibility of going down, then don't buy in, just like any investments. If you think the underlying investment and the value is going to go down, don't get in it. But if you think you're buying in at a pretty good price, uh, then I, I think we can kind of manage the other risk. Jeff, we appreciate your honesty here, and we don't always get uh, that level of transparency and honesty when we ask those kinds of questions. So, Jeff, a question that we like to ask all of our guests, what keeps you awake at night? You know, it's, <laughs> I'm 52 years old. Um, I've, I've, I've seen a, a, a few challenges I've had to dealt with in my life and, and have been blessed beyond uh, probably what I deserve with some successes. And, you know, Charlie, the one thing that, that I believe to be true right now is you really can't control much in life. About the only thing I can control or one can control is how you respond and how you act day to day. So, you know, it's changed a little bit over the years. And that's, that's a you know, real good question. We had a roundtable discussion about this with a group I, I meet with. And, and to me, it, it's really a little more global. Than, than anything specific and it's I want to be around people and interact with people that at the end of the day make me a little better and I would like to be that person that whether it's on personal or business um, if they interact with me they're better off for it and so I guess what I think about the most is are, are we doing everything we can to make sure that those that we do business with or those that we get in contact with, are they better off for that? And, and those are the things I think about the most these days. You know, Jeff, we really appreciate that response. That's not the kind of response we've had before in our 200 or so interviews. And uh, no question about it, uh, the impact that we have on others is critically important and that that is so important to you. And you, you, you think about it at night in those quiet moments. Uh, we appreciate you sharing that with us. The second question we'd like to ask is what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? There's a handful that I think are really good. Probably what comes to mind um, to me that was influential for me uh, when I went into business in the late 80s was called um, The House of Morgan. And it's not only about J.P. Morgan and the history of that firm and his dad, but it talks about the 18th uh, or the 19th and 20th centuries here in this country. And, you know, the passion and the skin in the game and the work and the effort that it take to to really change the world as an industrialized nation as we came out of that and in, into and out of the Great Depression, uh, going through two world wars. Uh, it, it's not so much as a finance book. 
as it is. I think a really good book on giving an excellent history on the United States of America, also on the global aspect of how everything kind of works. And although there's a number of them, that that probably to me would that that would probably be the one I would I would recommend the House of Morgan. The House of Morgan, Jeff. Thank you very much again. That's the first time we've had that book recommended, so we appreciate it. So give us uh, your website for the benefit of those who would like to know more. Sure. The website is Epus Energy E P U S Energy dot com. If you want to call, I'll even go a step further. My direct line is six eight two. 316-8781. And other than that, in closing, I want to say thank you, Charlie. And, and one thing I will mention uh, for, for people that about Epis and about my view of the world is we're going to be transparent, we're going to work hard for you, and we're going to be properly incentivized. And we're going to care. And if people have an interest in that, I feel confident we can show a decent return. But in addition to that, um, you're going to have accessibility. You can call and talk to me. You have questions, we're going to answer them. And, uh, and we're going to care. And we're going to do the very best we can. Hey, Jeff, thank you very much. Listen, very quickly, share with us uh, the insight and the uh, words of advice that T. Boone Pickens once gave you about uh, finding oil. Yeah, there's a couple. Well, well, he told me about investing. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to spend some time with him. And then, uh, then he said, Jeff, and I said, Ben, what do you do? What, what What are your biggest concerns or thoughts whenever somebody asks you to do a deal? He said, Well, number one, are they properly incentivized? Number two, are they conflicted? And number three, do they love me? Do they care about me? <laughs> and I've never forgot that. And then one other, one other comment I'll give you that a mentor of mine told me is, is this, and, it, and it's so true. You know, life, life is simple, but it ain't easy. And if you're stupid, it gets a lot harder. You have to work hard and try to think right. And and those are the those are two of the two of the things I think about every day. You know, Jeff, we know we can count on a Texan for good advice like that, so we appreciate it. So, Jeff, again, thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, sir. Thank you, Charlie. So, again, we've been talking with Jeff Johnson, founder and CEO of Epis Energy out of Fort Worth, Texas. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. This is Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science.